0: Oh boy, here it is, the long-awaited episode 20 finally being released and ready to review about 10 months of fuckery. So, have I improved? Am I getting worse? Uh, What's going on on the wild, wild world of writing, art, sci-fi, fantasy, and role-playing games that are going to make eventually everything I say obsolete? And what do I have to say to defend myself? Let's get into that on this episode of why are you talking about this nerd? Hello everyone and welcome to episode 20. My name is William and I will be your WayTat reviewer doing one of the few things I was actually trained how to do in college. Critique. But anyways, less depressing. Thank you for listening to the show. It means the world to have my voice blaring on your tornado siren tower you've had installed in your house because your neighbor won't stop leaving their fucking porch light on and you're too socially awkward to tell them it's hitting you directly in the retinas With all the fury of five suns while you're trying to sleep. Or, you know, a less specific example. But regardless, remember to like, share, and review the show. And also check out Waytat episode one through three on YouTube. I'm going to alternate between shows on research weeks to post to YouTube. Three episodes at a time until I'm all caught up. Um, And even then, I'll probably not be posting current episodes until I have a string of three to post. Um, That will also take a while. Uh, That will also take a while to get caught up, just because of, like, you know, the amount of episodes I have at this point. Um, But also, uh, keep an eye on YouTube, because I'm going to be posting some, hopefully, more interesting stuff on there. Um, I have something in the works I don't want to say the name of until I post the first episode, so. Uh, But with that, let's get right into the show. Okay, so before we get to the updates, I do just want to thank you again for listening. I know this is getting out there pretty late, but oh, holy shit, I had a rough go of it. Uh, You know, being mentally ill added to staying up late, uh, added to trying to have a life, along with being in your mid-20s, and also trying to start two podcasts will really fuck you up in the head. I mean, who knew, right? Oh, you did? Well, fine, fuck you then. But anyways, let's continue the updates. Starting at the foundational episode one. And uh, I, I really thought I was going to be calling back to this episode a lot, but in actuality, I don't think I have even once. Uh, still, it's here's a gotcha moment, just in case uh, someone comes to the wrong house and thinks I'm not strapped with a ratio aimed right at their forehead. Train has a comment on that. I don't know if you can hear that. Uh, But also, I am really proud of this episode overall. I mean, even in comparison to my recent episodes. However, I do actually disagree with some of my notes for this episode, because I don't think recent episodes have gotten any worse. And besides the uh, weird and somehow very true comment I'm going to defend, that realism is the literature what Ahigao is the hentai, that also for some reason is really just going off on Twitter right now, and that's terrifying that might be the thing that gets a bunch of new listeners um I really only have two minor updates um sorry I'm still not over that I let me be real with you I'm not gonna be uh upset if that's the tweet that pops me off but man I am gonna be that's gonna be one hell of a story to try to tell uh in, in the future uh uh anyways um so the the first update that I have is that it's it's wrong in its entirety that realism means like violent sad and sexually uh, uh, violent. I, it's kind of like the dangers of medievalism rearing its ugly head on this one because like what we talked about in that episode things weren't any worse Back then, they are today. And I don't know who that reflects worse on, but even on principle, adding more violence to your story doesn't make it more realistic. I mean, obviously, making the violence you do have more realistic makes a story more realistic, but it doesn't mean better. Uh, the other update I want to make is that your audience probably isn't going to instantly lose faith in your story uh, if you break realism or believability. I mean, as long as the story is competent overall, and also you either try to explain or don't rely on them keeping faith in you to keep them hooked, you're probably fine. I mean, usually, some people have a zero tolerance policy, which works just about as well as zero. I mean, some people have a zero tolerance policy, which works just about as well as zero tolerance policies in high schools work. I I think they're really expecting too much out writers if they think that we're smart enough to be consistent all right and then episode two and firstly the punishment two for naughty wieners is going to be something I will now say regularly in my normal life because holy shit that is so funny to me I cannot explain why Uh, also getting reminded of the brain teaser of if a character has a personality the author likes if that makes them more or less of a person in perception of the reader, kind of got me sidetracked on a bit of a mental tangent. Because like, I feel like stuff like that absolutely matters to me. Like, It usually will re- reduce my engagement with the story to know that this character is one the author would like. And I-, I thought about why for a long time. I think that ultimately, it's because from my perspective, the author, the world, and the narrator are all different. And seeing the author's presence in the world and on the narrator kind of takes me out of it. But, yeah, you know, I'm I'm interested in what you think. So, let me know. Um, and I also used to be a lot more reserved about my, about my mental health, which, it's kind of weird to see the lengths that I've gone on my shows with, like, advocating violence in Minecraft, uh, talking about depression and... Uh, multiple existential crises, including a running joke that intro me is an entirely separate entity that's really wishing for death. and also begging for a very tall and strong woman with a just massive gawk uh to fuck me to death. <laughs> I'm absolutely fucking nutters and like i don't I don't think me being coy. About it in the first couple episodes. Is really hiding it either. Uh. That aside. I do have some corrections for this episode. So. First. And I can't believe I'm stooping to this level. To engage with comic book fans. But I was wrong about Elektra. Um. She was a strong female character. In like three video games I played as a child. And like. One comic book run. But for most of her comics. And most of her appearances in other people's comics. She is 100% just there. So that the artist can draw some titties. Uh, the the other thing I do need to correct is my soapbox. Because I said that I wouldn't use boob armor anymore. And uh, yeah I do. I absolutely do. And do I have a defense? No. No I don't. So my race coding episode, actually, surprisingly, I don't really have any corrections. Uh, I do need to start using the backwash effect more and really work on pushing it out there. Uh, and my cardboard couch kill and lines go really fucking hard because that really is what I have black friends sounds like. Now, also, by no means am I saying that I am an expert on this topic. Uh, I just didn't get one correcting me and calling me an asshole for accidental racism. And I'm not about to, like, scour through the episode again and, like, pick out every time that I could have accidentally been racist because as as someone who's white and leftist, that's a dangerous thing to do to yourself. Uh, And we're on to episode four. Good, evil, and the relative. Uh, First of all, fuck Jeremy. Um, And also, holy shit, I was brave to start an episode paralleling the war on terror. Uh, But overall with this episode, I think that really the best and biggest takeaway is the effective use of good and evil, making it both distinct and also vague, is probably currently the best way to go about it. On one hand, because people are kind of tired of edgy good guys and comically evil or sympathetic villains, I mean, a lot of people want to watch a show where they think the good guy is good without justifying why he eats the livers out of puppies, and the bad guy is bad without saying the social movement that they represent is evil by mistake. And then the other hand of my dick. Oh, shit. Wait. Sorry. The other hand should be holding the statement that the vagueness can be helpful by providing a shield to your audience, also demonstrating your morality without using too much effort and some, you know, decent writing advice. Alright, so, episode 5. Kink. And the first thing we should do is expand on a point I made. So, in the ancient past, a lot of the stories about sex and eroticism were in the same spaces as stories about stuff like human nature, reality, heroism, and the natural world, and it wasn't necessarily seen as a dirty topic for the most part like it was now. And obviously, the ancient world was, you know, the world, so that statement is obviously not universal, more just what I've seen from ancient cultures I've seen before with like these kinds of stories. Also, I do want to push back a bit on the point that I made about including sex in serious stories, because sex and sexuality are both very big, girthy, taboo topics here in the West, so you can't just like, throw them in willy-nilly <laughs> uh, without there being a reason of some kind. Well, sure, I think that's acceptable, doesn't mean you can just toss it in because the big bad podcast man said to, or he'd stab your dad in the neck. Oh, and also just an update on erotic literature, it's still fucking amateur hour up in here. Oh, and I'm, I'm also gonna retract my statement about Muhammad, obviously, and no, that isn't just recent events. What I mean is that it got the point across, but holy fuck, is that some next-level sacrilege that, like, I'm realizing after the fact was not a good idea to even imply. Uh, so yeah, you know, if 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 you decided to start listening to the show, and you're Muslim, first of all, I don't think you're. Uh, I think if you're listening to the show, uh, your your faith might have some opinions on that. But also like. I'm really sorry about that episode. Uh, okay. Um, but we're we're going to skip over the plans of hats um, because I don't have anything really at all to add there. Uh, and my notes were just kind of just stroke my own dick about how based my opinions are. Uh, I did go a little hard on myself about how much of a stretch why it matters was, but well, listening back, it wasn't really that big of a stretch at all. So, uh, 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 the tiniest correction there of, like, you know, calm down past me. You're not as big of a dummy that you think you are. Uh, which brings us to episode 7, and holy shit, we're already halfway there. So, obviously, because it's me... I do need to insert my dick into the punishment tube for naughty wieners for being so incredibly horny on the episode that is literally the opposite of that. And that being said, I do need to correct something. So women don't avoid fan bases that are really horny about female characters, kind of fan servicey games or like loot or sex games. Because believe it or not, fellas in my non-binary cellos? Folks my fellows and folks, uh, women get horny too. But what they do avoid are unfun communities and games. Ones that are fun and more open to women and treat them better than just like off material and are also open to some equal opportunity ogling and queer women being part of the club. Uh, they tend to have better engagement from women. And why? Well, because they feel welcome even if everything else about the community is really cringy. I do also want to point out how often women in video games seem to really push the envelope uh, developmentally. Which is not something I picked up on until I actually re-listened to it. But it sounds like we need to hire a whole lot more female developers. Because clearly they have whatever combination of, uh, of genes that make you design video games gooder. Uh, but very closely related to this episode. Uh, so closely related that I didn't even break the paragraph is episode 8 on Toxic Gamers. I want to start by expanding on what I said about filing false reports. So in the episode I said, it's true in real life too, not just gaming. I want to expand on that. See, it's a toxic and dangerous thing to file any kind of false report, especially a criminal report, because that's exactly what gets real victims ignored. And I don't mean like the person you report, which that is also bad but the people you're now making less believable. And while yes, it's just the game, I think this kind of behavior regardless of context shows some real character flaws. Especially because if you start thinking that the best way to get your way is to file a false report with an authority figure, I can see how some of you fucking cretins deciding that's okay in real life too. And same with the Gamer Girl episode, I didn't really connect the dots with the history until listening again. I mean, it feels really inevitable that Gamergate would happen, didn't it? Like, with how all the events lined up, there wasn't really another way for that to happen. I, obviously, it's still terrible until only that person with a cord of a brain cell and a brain smoother than a rock I'm hucking directly at their dick should have seen coming. Uh, but still, like, my god, that was... Once the ball got rolling, it really seemed like there was no way to stop what's going to happen um but also me saying tabletop role-playing game Gamergate uh that that made my balls reabsorbed in my ba- into my body and let out a grunt of pain because holy shit that's a scary thought um it's also very good that nerds started looking inwards but we really did almost have Gamergate for every single nerd community uh it just so happens a video game started at first Although, I, let's be real, it could still happen in other communities, which is why we really need to stay on top of our shit. And yes, I was correct. Gamergate hasn't ended. Because no one has given up. Instead, it's evolved, and people who haven't grown out of it are training the next generation to be just as fucking awful as they are. Which is terrifying. Okay, on to inclusivity. So the first thing to address is the fucking Gucci blackface with the serial killer glasses. What were they thinking? Like, it has to be intentional because the runway model looks like they're dressed for a modern minstrel show. What the fuck were they doing? Okay. I know I didn't get out of control on that, but... There was some energy, energy in my soul that got out there. I I cannot fathom. All of that had to be intentional. There is no way. There's absolutely no way that that was an accident. You don't do shit like that accidentally. At some point, I'm gonna figure out who the designer was, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send them books on U.S. history. Okay, uh, anyways, um, what's up with inclusive writing, and and where did I get it wrong? Well, so I mean, first all, I wanted to add on to the uh, Old Blood nerd stuff that, yes, some part of them not liking inclusivity can just be them being stubborn bitches about it, uh, but it is also true that some amount of it will come from racism. Both because the Old Bloods are older generations of nerds, and, you know, older generations tend to have some opinions, um, but also because of the stuff they watched and read had some pretty racist shit, either intentionally or accidentally when they were getting into the hobby. So even when they mean well, or they're trying to fight it off, understand that sometimes there's still going to be some fucked up shit that they say or let happen in their storytelling. And it's important to call them out on it, but also still important to guide them to improve the story away from it. Additionally, I do want to correct a little bit. So, I don't think that an oops all gay story is necessarily the best example of inclusive writing. And why is that? Well, because if it's literally oops all gay, then there's no contrast. And also nothing for the uh, straights to latch onto to get them used to seeing queer people just being normal. But also, if we're being literal about this, having a token straight would be the literally most inclusive thing you can do, because then you're including every sexuality, but, you know, that's neither here nor there, and also not really the point of an oops-all-gay story. But importantly, have I followed my own advice? I think, but I also haven't really made a whole lot recently, and the stuff I have been doing in my off time isn't is very explicitly and transparently inspired from other cultures. regardless, I'll still show my work when I'm done with it. Alright, episode 10, Pantheons. And this is the episode that made me realize that I probably should do merch at some point, and it absolutely needs to be the example Pantheon. And really need to do more examples like this, especially because it's explicitly consistent, so you get to see the process. I also made the best application section of any episode. Uh, But much less seriously, I also really stunlocked myself with that Corvid joke. I don't know how the fuck I shot the gap and made something so chronically online, but also such a boomer joke? While also being so cringe, but also Funny, but also stupid and accurate. I'm like what the fuck? And once again, have I followed my own advice? Drum roll please, and don't add that in. Nope. Absolutely have not, and I have no excuse why. Just get fucked. Okay, I'm I'm actually gonna be skipping ahead to love triangles because. Well, yes, there was a single thing to expand on for the waifus and self-inserts. I have literally an entire episode on it. You know, episode 19, which won't be covered here because it's way too recent. So, I mean, what do I have to say here? Well, I learned after the episode that actually the idea of polyamory being common is very controversial in archaeology. Because we literally have no idea if it was as common less common or more common than monogamy besides knowing that it happened. I mean, judging by human behavior nowadays doesn't really help, especially because of a mixture of cultural biases, religion, and sexism. So we actually don't fucking know what the truth is, and it's kind of a toss-up. And yeah, also the inclusion of queer people also just absolutely dismantles this entire trope. Because assuming the love triangle are all willing to at least consider being with anyone else in the love triangle Suddenly the entire thing Turns to the beginnings of An incredibly steamy And also like Definitely inappropriate <laughs> Inappropriate For most audiences uh, Three way at worst And a very emotionally uh, Fulfilling Loving relationship at best That makes your audience really really cry Because they wish that they could have that Um That being said, I still love this kind of story, and I think love triangles are really, really great when done correctly. I I am also very disappointed that I have not had the chance to write one yet, and I I really want to. But I want to do it justice and have, have time for it to breathe and develop. Okay, gatekeeping. And, I surprisingly, no one's got my ass about this one, which I think means I got away with it. But, yes, gatekeeping can't be good. Which is actually where my clarification comes in. If someone is a new fan, it's okay for them to be temporarily wrong. If you know someone with some, you know, fucked up and problematic takes that are new to the community, it's okay to explain why, and they'll probably try to stick to their guns for a while. But that's okay, because they'll eventually learn better. Oh, also, we need a Gamer Association of Young Socialists pins. Uh, that w- might be a bit of merch drop, because it is the most subtle joke I've ever made, and it isn't subtle at all. Now, I think it's also good to address something I realized at the end of the history section. Uh, gatekeeping is kind of baked into a lot of our nerddoms, and a lot of us unintentionally gatekeep, and it's largely for the same reason that people actively gatekeep. So, it's something that we all need to address within ourselves as well. It's not just, like, a call-out post. I think we all need to, like, take the application seriously and, like, examine them within ourselves. Uh, so, now we go to space battles, and man oh man do I have corrections and stuff to add. So, firstly, I entirely forgot to explain Solar Wind. See basically the sun rather than literal wind produces so much energy and creates plasma at such a fast pace that it literally just hucks particles of pure plasma all over the place which should be terrifying for every single plasma torch but i mean that's what solar wind is it's just plasma um i will also correct the part of most realistic space battles being boring as shit i mean you could write that to be interesting and engaging just not particularly threatening if your reader stops to think about it. I mean, you could give them ajuda in the good way and ratchet up the tension without risking any of your characters' lives directly, and also make it frustrating for the characters. It's just, when they stop to think, the danger is so abstract that it gets hard to conceptualize or care about. Also, yes, a missile would absolutely do a fuckload of damage to an unmanned ship, it just wouldn't necessarily take it out entirely. I mean, especially compared to a ship with humans on board, they're very squishy and very susceptible to explosions and also decompression. You know, like if you had a modern tank that could self-operate and like a RPG hit it, unless it hit something important or the computer controlling it, Honey Badger don't give a fuck. A nuke, though, a nuke would basically always just motherfuck the entire thing, regardless of if the ship was manned or unmanned. Radiation is not good for you or your robot. Also, I I know it was a joke, but I do want to specify, yes, the United States of America caused the space treaty to happen, because the rest of the world saw the writing on the wall that the US and Russia were going to militarize space and use nukes, and maybe next time we would actually blow the atmosphere off just to spite you. Again, though, like I mentioned in the show, one of America's favorite pastimes is breaking international law that we helped make, so... Oh, and we aren't talking about the butt-sex analogy I made. Even though written out, butt sex and analogy right next to each other makes me laugh. Uh, no, we're not talking about this. And also, no, that's not a projection. Don't. Don't ask any of my friends that have heard me speak ever. <laughs> if anyone says that they know me, don't believe them. They don't know what they're talking about. This analogy never happened. Okay, but so finally, let's go to siege. So firstly, I will concur that, yes, a lot of sieges weren't meant to just massacre and brutalize the populace. However, if they're going to raise the settlement, well, I mean, suddenly it suddenly becomes a lot more likely that people are going to get wantonly stabbed and or burned or crushed to death. Uh, on top of that, that 5% of people without morals aren't really going to be stopped or questioned in ages before or with civilizations without a highly organized and rigid structure of discipline or military. And there were certainly civilian casualties and mass suffering uh, caused by occupying forces, as there always will be whenever an army occupies a place, but wasn't like uniquely terrible to the time period. And also my quote of, uh, by making everyone sick or on fire, they can't really fight back very well. It's a massive understatement, but yeah, that that is true. Uh, And I know it's minor and doesn't matter the grand scheme of things, but it's kind of wrong to say that most things will break down naturally like when you toss them in the moat. Because sure, organic things like bones and uh, human shit that you fling from the wall would eventually break down in, in the moat. Other stuff wouldn't. You know, like, broken pottery and rusty nails will eventually return to nature, and pottery's gonna take less time, but... I mean, granted, it's not leaching nearly as toxic of chemicals as we're capable of today into riverbeds, but still pollution. Okay, and finally, yes, people did live inside those star-shaped fortresses. I was just straight up wrong there. They housed soldiers and sometimes their families, but weren't meant to be habitation or a personal residence. They were military installations. (sighs) Oh, okay. All right. And and, and with that, let's get done with this very, very late episode of Way Tat Nerd. Okay, and there you are. Uh, if you have opinions, advice on how to make the show better, oh god please, uh, updates I miss, your own two cents on my corrections, really anything else you want to tell me, make sure to a- email me at waytapods at gmail.com, that is W-A-Y-T-A-T-P-O-D-S at gmail.com, uh, remember to check out my other podcast, WayTap, where you basically the same thing, both politics and, I mean, everything else, fuck you in the United States. Uh, and also remember to follow me on Twitter at waitat underscore pause for more episode announcements and occasional shit posts that, for some reason, really get people excited. I don't know. I don't know why that post has gotten so much, so much viewership. Uh, but anyways, uh, have a good night. Don't murder. Have fun. And remember, be a raven, not a rook. This has been Why Are You Talking About This? And I've been your host, William. Good night.